how to invest in the crash. Nine rules of not just surviving, but thriving in the upcoming recession or depression. How to observe the masses and do the opposite. Be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy when it comes to investing. Do you know more millionaires are made in recessions than any other time? Which must mean that billionaires are made in depressions and I think there's a big depression coming. So I'm going to get straight in on the practical and the tactical. I've got nine fundamental rules of cashing in on a crash and winning big in the upcoming recession. Now, I do need to give you a little bit of context. I've been an investor for 16 years and I actually bought some of my best investments in 2009-10 when the economy was at its worst, when the recession was last time round. So um, I have, what, 1,250 plus tenants across hundreds of properties that I own and manage. I run the biggest property management company in my city, give or take one. And we've just finished developing 99 apartment block, nearly 50 apartment block. And I run the UK's biggest property training company, Progressive Property, right? That's context because anyone can say anything without context. Here we go. Fundamental rule number one of cashing in on a crash is you need minimal cash, but maximum liquidity, which is point, some point moving forward. So people think you need cash in a crash, but actually if you hold on to cash, cash is being wiped out by inflation. Cash isn't secure in the banks like some people make out that it is. Therefore, what you need is maximum liquidity, not necessarily maximum cash. Now, the paradox is this. If you have a lot of cash, you're getting wiped out by inflation, like probably net 12% you're losing a year, security issues, you know, you're not putting that money to work. But if you had a big lump of cash and then there's the big crash and the recession depression is here and assets are really cheap, you can buy businesses cheap, you can buy real estate cheap, you can buy watches cheap, you can buy all assets cheap, then you've got a load of cash to buy. So what you need is maximum liquidity, not maximum cash. And you might ask, well, what's the difference between liquidity and cash? I'll come to you in one moment about that. So number two then, uh, where is the liquid? Yeah, number four is the difference between cash and liquidity. So rule number two is you need to be as liquid as possible. So in a falling market, your assets might get devalued. You may have loans with covenants, which if you drop below the loan to value covenant thresholds, you might have to pay money back. So when there's a big asset price crash, there's upsides and downsides. The downsides is if you own them, your assets have gone down. The downsides, if you want to buy them, the yields have gone up and the price has gone down. So therefore, they're cheaper for you. So you need liquidity in a recession, depression, crash, which means you need to be able to access cash. So you might need to be able to have the ability to exit some assets, or you might want to make sure that many of the assets you hold are liquid. So real estate is not liquid. Property can take three to nine months to sell. It's the opposite of liquid. And by the way, the crash, three to nine months, most of the drop in value could happen. In the last recession of 08, the 25 to 30% market drop in the real estate market happened in six months, not in three years. So generally, if you look at data, of, for example, let's just use property as an example. If you look at nationwide house price data and you look at the prices from 1952 to 2022, most of the years are fairly flat and then you get big spike and then most of the years are fairly flat and then you get a big drop. So most of the growth and most of the drops are in a few months or a few years 
and most of the rest of the time it's fairly flat. Another um, example for, for this is rents. So many landlords are putting their rents up 20 to 30% right now. And a lot of people are like, well, that's awful for the tenants. But they haven't been put up for the last five years, really. So this 20 to 30% increase in rents is not just this year. It's prorated over the last five or six years. So when that big drop comes, because it will be big and it will be hard and it will be fast, um, you need to be liquid, which means you might want to hold some gold. You might want your money in the stock market or in ISIS, because obviously in the bank it's getting wiped out by inflation and it's not secure. And you need to be able to access money quickly. But remember, I'm going to cover point four, which is the difference between cash and liquidity. OK, so point three then of my nine rules for investing in a crash is your understanding the difference between defensive and aggressive asset classes and investing strategies. So you need some defensive and some aggressive. Some people who are all in on crypto, that's just 100% aggressive. And then when you get stuff like FTX dropping, Bitcoin and all cryptos dropping, I mean, the world of cryptos absolutely in tatters right now. You can lose everything when you're too aggressive with your investing strategy. Whereas if you're too defensive, it can take you 30 or 40 years to make any real money. So defensive would be physical assets like gold, because gold's not going to go up 10% a year. It's a bit more steady than that. And gold's physical and you've got to store it. But when there's a debasement of currency or a lack of trust in governments and systems and money, you actually find that gold is more valuable. So gold is a defensive. Physical assets like maybe Rolex Daytona's are defensive. ISAs and, you know, well-diversified stock market portfolio, they're quite defensive investing strategies, i.e. they're relatively low risk, uh, but relatively slow and low return. Then you've got aggressive investing strategies. So buying businesses that are distressed, um, buying property um, when the market's dropped a little bit, starting a business, getting into some volatile cryptocurrencies. These are aggressive investing strategies. You've got to put a lot of time into them um, and you're looking to arbitrage, buy low and sell or refinance high, etc. So you don't want to be all aggressive because you can lose everything. You don't want to be too defensive because it can be too slow. Okay, number four then on the nine ways to um, cash in on a crash. And someone has said here, I'm from the FCA. Do you have a financial advisor license? So I'm, of course, sharing my opinion and my experience on this live. Um, and my qualifications are doing more than 150 million in revenue in the last 16 years. I've written the UK's best-selling book on money called Money. I have 1,250 tenants across hundreds of properties. Um, I run a business which does 16 to 21 million a year. We have 144 staff, over 100 of them in the office, the rest outsourcers. Um, I became a millionaire age 30 to 31, a decamillionaire age 35. They're my qualifications. I am not... FCA licensed. Uh, I've never met um, an FCA advisor who's a multimillionaire. <laughs> I've never met an accountant who's, a, well, a few, but most accountants are not multimillionaires. So, um, by the way, that's not a flex. It's because someone said, do I have a um, FCA license? I'm an entrepreneur who's made a lot of money. That's what I am. So if you feel you need to get financial advice, 
I am not in the conventional sense a qualified financial advisor. Just don't know any of them are rich. Just saying, answered the question. Not a flex. Hope that's useful. Don't need to prove it. You can find it all online. Okay. Number four, then, is understanding the difference between cash and liquidity. So a lot of people think liquidity is cash and cash is liquidity. I.e., when the market drops, I need cash so I can buy assets. Cash is security. Cash is king. But actually, if you hold too much cash, you've got um, major inflation. You're losing money year on year. You've got security and emotionally and emotional spending risk issues. Whereas if you have liquidity, what liquidity is, is your ability to raise money. So let's say you knew 10 multimillionaires. Would it be better to have a million of your own money or no 10 multimillionaires who all might partner up with you and give you a million or five million or partner with you when assets go down? So actually, liquidity is better than cash. So I'm fortunate enough to know many billionaires. I've interviewed, I think, nearly 20 billionaires on my Disruptors and Money podcasts. And they say your network is your net worth. So have you got good credit? Are you lendable and investable? Have you got some trading history? Have you got some good results and case studies of deals you've done? Have you got a good network of successful entrepreneurs, business owners and millionaires? Because if you have, you are liquid, which means you can access money quickly. And high liquidity is better than having cash. And that's the difference. Okay, number five then. Do you know the difference between an asset and an investment? Most people don't. So how... Stick in the comments the difference between an asset and an investment. Let me know if you know the difference. Um, Because most people don't. Because, you know, some people say, well, your own home isn't an asset. Well, it, it could be. It probably isn't. But it is an investment. So here's the difference between an asset and an investment if you haven't already got it. An asset is something that goes up in value. An asset is something that produces income. An investment is something that you will invest in for the long term. And in the short term, it might not make money day to day, month to month. For example, you'd invest your time and your money into a business. You might not expect the return tomorrow. Your return might be three or five or 10 years time. That's not technically an asset until it produces income or it goes up in value. But it is an investment. So I argue that your home is an investment because in 15 years it might double in value, but it's not an asset because it doesn't produce cash flow or capital growth immediately. So know the difference between the two. Sometimes you want to invest even if it isn't an asset today because it might be a bigger asset tomorrow. Now, someone has said um, in the comments, and by the way, I'm, I'm up for you agreeing, disagreeing, challenging. I like that. So let's have some commentary. Someone has said they disagree about cash being king. Well, I respectfully disagree back to them. Why is cash not king? Because cash flow is king. Cash isn't king because cash is going. I mean, the RPI index right now is 14.1. The government are openly admitting, admitting, the government are openly admitting that inflation is 14.1%. I mean, that's really high. But all the goods and services are not put in that basket. So I always think inflation, certainly when it's going up, It's about 5% more than they're actually telling you because they don't put all the goods and services into the basket of goods and services that they measure inflation. So if they're admitting it's 14.1%, it's probably nearly 20%. So how can cash be king if cash is going down 20% a year? And interest rates are 3%. And even if they were 10%, cash would still be going down. Cash is not king. 
Cash flow is king. What you do with the cash and the assets and the income streams is king. Cash is not king. Cash flow is king. You must know the difference. And here's the thing. This stuff isn't taught in school because people are taught, oh, save your money. That's smart. Don't get into debt. That's bad. But getting into good debt using bank finance to buy assets that produce income is smart. And saving money in the bank when you're losing 10 to 15 percent a year is dumb. All right, then. So the difference between an asset and an investment. So, for example, you, I had a big discussion stroke, debate stroke argument with Andrew Tate about this because he believes that you're, um, you should not buy your own home. But what if you want to raise children? What if you want um, a space where you've got this tranquil oasis? It's like your mini castle that you build your empire on. And it maybe is some security because you've got equity in it. All right, you've got to pay your mortgage. So it's a liability, not an asset from a cash flow perspective. But it's an investment and it might give you many more benefits. So understanding the difference between the two. Sometimes I'll invest in something that might not make me money for three years. I mean, that's quite normal, isn't it? A lot of people expect income too quickly. Like when you start your own business, fully expect to not make much money for a while. You have to set to forget. So for me, an asset is real estate because it produces income. My membership site, Rob.team, because it produces income. My books and audio books because they produce income. An investment is gold. Goes up in value, but doesn't produce any cash flow. An investment is a Rolex Daytona. An investment is self-education. An investment is building my network. They might not pay money today, but they'll pay a lot of money tomorrow. You want to do both when there's a recession depression. Okay, number six then is you've got to be ready now. So a lot of people are like, Rob, I'm going to invest when the crash has happened. I want, to, I want to get to the bottom of the market. I don't want to invest now in case we're not at the bottom of the market. I'm waiting for the bottom of the market. The only time you know when the bottom of the market was is when it's bounced and it's too late because the market dropped so quickly. So you have to be ready. You can't get ready. You can't spend two years, three years waiting, putting all your ducks in a row, getting everything planned. Ooh. No, you've got to be ready now. So you've got to learn, earn and invest. And you've got to make sure that you're ready. Uh, so sort your shit out now. Learn about assets and investments. And um, don't wait to buy property. Buy property and wait. Don't wait to invest in assets, invest in assets and wait. Now, there's a bit of a hedge on this, which is now number seven. So if you wait too long, the recession will be come and gone. And you'll look back and you'll be like, shit, I knew I should have got in and I missed the boat because I was too slow. But there's something called pound or dollar cost averaging. Have you heard about that? So pound and dollar cost averaging are where you invest in stages rather than all at once. So if, let's say you have 10 grand or 50 grand, doesn't matter. And um, you're like, oh, okay, the market's dropped. If you put it all in now, the market might drop again and again and again. And so your asset that you've bought is going to drop and drop and drop before it goes up and up and up. And by the way, assets sometimes do go down before they go up. As long as you hold, buy, hold, die, as long as you buy, hold, die, you'll be fine. Property doubles every 15 years. So even if you buy at the wrong time and it drops even a half in value, within the 15 years, it'd have doubled in value. So as long as you can ride it out, this is another thing as well. If people are too aggressive where they're investing, they go all in, they've got no cash flow and liquidity left because they put it all into assets. When it drops, they panic, they sell, they lose money and they just help um, manifest 
the vicious cycle. It's like when people are forced to sell assets cheap that perpetuates the drop in the marketplace. So you need to be able to endure peaks and troughs in the market. And investing in stages keeps some liquidity back. And investing in stages hedges you against any further drops. It's called pound cost averaging, or in America, it's called dollar cost averaging. It's a very smart thing to do. Okay, rule number eight of nine of investing in a crash. Hope you found this useful. Let me know what you think in the comments is to have multiple streams of income and multiple asset classes, but not so many that you're diversified and thin and overwhelmed. So if you've got 22 different asset classes that you're trying to manage and maintain, it's like having 22 children in 22 cities with 22 partners. That's never going to happen. And then when you get divorced, you're paying half of everything on all of them. Whereas if you just do one thing, what's the problem with one thing? Well, if you had all your money in the FTX exchange, you've lost it all. Uh, If you have all of your money in one class or one business, especially now we're moving into a recession depression, the risk is that you lose it all. So you actually probably want about three income streams that you're working on at any time. One is too um, exposed because that one model could go down to nothing. Five or 10 is too many. So three is about the optimum number. And in my book, Cash in a Property Crash, I gave you a time and focus division model, which really helps understand how to best use your time. Because your time is actually your greatest asset, let's be honest, and your knowledge is your greatest asset. So are you investing in yourself as well as assets? You are your biggest and best asset over and above any physical asset, so invest in yourself wisely because you pay yourself the best return. So for me, 1,250 tenants across hundreds of properties might be my 70% focus. Then my 16 to 21 million a year training business might be my secondary focus. And then my Rob.team membership site might be my tertiary third focus. And I put 70% into my main business model, 20% into my secondary asset or income stream, and 10% into my third. 70, 20, 10, multiple streams of income, three at a time. It's not too many. It's not too few. That will really help you if you're getting overwhelmed or you don't really know where to invest your time. Also, it's good to have unrelated assets and income streams. So actual real estate versus teaching real estate versus a membership site, they're all slightly different income streams, but they're sort of linked as well. So what a lot of people do is I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to do Forex trading and I'm going to invest in property and I'm going to build my own membership site. I'm going to go on OnlyFans and I'm going to be a YouTuber. The problem with all of those is they're completely unrelated business models. So you've got to learn from the start and spend decades becoming an expert in each. Whereas if you buy property and then source and package and sell property to others and then build a property training business and then build a property management company and then build a property membership site, you learn about property and you get expert in one thing and you leverage that expertise across the other income streams. All right. And then finally, the final point is buy, hold, die. Why would you spend time researching an asset and lots of time building your investment in your knowledge and education to buy that asset to sell that asset? Well, the only reason you'd sell an asset is because maybe you don't have enough cash to buy more assets. Here's the thing. I've got 1,250 tenants in my portfolio, and I've probably sold no more than 27 properties. And the 23 and one block of flats that I sold, yeah, I made a decent amount of money, but I'd have made a lot more if I'd have kept it because they were 10 years plus ago. So they'd be worth nearly double now. 
I never regret assets I hold. I usually regret assets I sell because you get a bit of profit. Yeah. And then you've got to pay your tax on it. And then you've got to share it with your business partner and your husband or wife. And then you've not got too much left. And then you've spent it and then it's gone. Whereas if you hold the asset, so I've got a 20 million pound block of flats in town. In 15 years, that'll be 40 million. If I sold it, let's say I net 7 million, divide that by, um, take the tax off, half to my business partner, half to my wife and family. I might net only be left personally with 1.5 million. I can spend that on a car. Whereas in 15 years, that goes from 20 million to 40 million. And they get all the income streams. So buy, hold, die. Cool. So I hope you found this content useful. Let's do a quick summary. The nine fundamental rules of cashing in on a crash. Number one, hold minimal cash because it's depreciating and devaluing hard um, and protect it from inflation by making sure that you put it into assets. Number two, be as liquid as possible, which means converting assets or information or income or knowledge into cash to be able to generate cash to invest in depreciating assets when they drop in value. Number three is have some defensive investing strategies like gold and Rolex Daytonas and the ISAs and the stock market. And then some aggressive strategies like buying property below market value, cryptocurrencies and starting your own business. Number four is understanding the difference between cash and liquidity. Cash is the amount of cash you have access in the bank. Liquidity is the amount of cash you could get hold of from assets and investors and your network and your investability and your credit score. Private and institutional lenders. Number five is knowing the difference between an asset and an investment. An asset produces income. An investment doesn't necessarily, but it will grow in value. Uh, I like both. Number six, be ready for a session and don't wait for the market to bottom because you can never time the market. Number seven is pound and dollar cost average, which means buying in stages as the market goes down to de-risk. Number eight is having multiple streams of income, ideally three, not one, it's too few, not five plus, it's too many. And then number nine is buy, hold, die, because you get the maximum return on money and time. Now, if you'd like a gift from me, a thank you for tuning in and watching and staying and sharing and following me. If you go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Toolkit, that's bit.ly forward slash Rob Toolkit. I have some gifts waiting for you there. Nothing to sell, everything to give. There will be no charge. On an ongoing basis weekly, you'll get a newsletter from me with money podcasts, money YouTube interviews, interviews with billionaires, tools and resources and courses on saving and making money. Also, you've got the uh, masterclass on how to get your tax bill down. You've got 35 ways to save half your salary and costs. And you've got some online video courses on building multiple streams of recurring income and investing assets that produce income. So they are all for you as a gift at bit.ly forward slash Rob Toolkit. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Thanks for tuning in. 